welcome to the Queen's Church Sermon Podcast. Our church is being built on two vision statements. Jesus is our passion and love is our mission. We hope this message leads you to Jesus and that next week you'll join us in person to experience God's love through this local church. You can follow us online at qns.church. We're going to talk about something that everybody wants to hear when they come to church. I know for a fact, right, you woke up this morning, you made your coffee, or, or you skipped coffee because you knew we had amazing coffee at Queen's Church. Whatever you did, you got, you got your clothes on, and before you left the house, you said, I hope that Pastor Larry talks about money today. Oh, I love it when churches talk about money, right? Isn't that what you said? No. Some people are furiously shaking their head, actually, a little too hard. <laughs> no, right? That Churches get a bad rep, right? Like uh, someone, I've heard it said many times, like, every time I go to church, all the pastor talks about is money. You guys heard that before? Or maybe you've been the one that said it before. You don't have to volunteer that information. But um, I'm sure that you think, <clears throat> if I'm going to talk about money, I'm sure you think you know what's coming, right? And I would say maybe I think I know what's coming, too in a sermon about money, but give me this leeway. Let's set aside our assumptions for the next 30 minutes. Let's look at God's Word and see what it has to say and find out two things. Number one, what it means, and number two, what it means to me. Cool? What does it mean and what does it mean to you and to us? So with that as our groundwork, don't be scared. We're going to talk about money. It's going to be okay. Let's read... All right, um, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. You can start there. My mic just died, so I'm going to get another one. All right. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. If you're there, say, I got it. All right. If you're not, say, hold up. Okay, we'll hold up. i got to get this mic cable fixed anyway. John, thanks, Johnny. Johnny knows there's no way I can stand this still for a whole sermon, so he's going to try to. That's plenty. That's good. All right, here we go. You ready? Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye, excuse me, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Last verse. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. 
I want us to think together this morning about the question, what am I setting my eyes on today? Where am I looking today? That's the question. Watch what Jesus does here. In verse 19, he says, where we look guides our heart. Verse 19, he says, where we look guides our heart. He says, uh, verse 21 right there, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 22, he says, where you look fills you. This one's, uh, I got to be honest with you, this one's the scariest one. That's why we have the Pop-Tarts and the protein shake. That's going to illustrate that. Because where you look fills you, and that's scary. And the last thing he says is, in, in verse 24, he says, where you look is your master. Where we look is our master. In order for us to wrestle with the reality of setting our eyes on something, now let's talk about three movements, okay? Three movements that we can make based on this passage. Because I've entitled the sermon, There's a Better Way. Turn to your neighbor and say, There's a Better Way. There's a better way. So here's the movements, three movements that we need to make. The first one is this. From the mattress to the bank. From the mattress to the bank. Some of you look like you get it already. That makes me happy. How many of you have ever placed something, by a show of hands, underneath something of value, underneath a mattress? Raise your hand. Really? That's exciting. That's more than I thought was going to say that. You see, if you haven't done it, do you need to get a different mic? Can you get a... I don't want to... I don't want to kill anybody. <laughs> it feels very hot in the monitors, if you could take it out of the monitors for me, if possible, yeah. Okay, as long as you can hear me, that's cool. Okay, from the mattress... Well, we won't let that distract us, right? The enemy don't need to distract us this morning. We're moving from the mattress to the bank. There's a better way. Here's what it is. Have you ever put anything under a mattress? You said yes. If you haven't, you've seen it in movies, right? The person laundering the money runs home, closes the door, locks the door, locks the door, locks the door, locks the door, puts stuff in front of the door, runs to their bedroom, closes that door, puts the, the chair in front of the bed, and they take off their backpack and they unload the rolls of money, right? And they lift up the mattress and they stuff it all under there because they think, no thief is ever going to think to look under my mattress. But if it's not a mattress, right, um, if any of you, I won't say whether or not I have seen the show Breaking Bad, but if you've seen the show Breaking Bad, they find more, they find more creative hiding spots for their money because they understand people are going to look in their mattresses, so they dig out the floors of their houses, right? They hide it in the walls sometimes. The point is, when you have money that you got illegally or that you don't want anyone else to find, you, maybe you got it the right way, but you don't want anyone to find it, you hide it. You hide the money. Hiding a treasure under a mattress, though, comes with risks, right? Some of them, these risks, are passive. Like, for instance, the fact that physical paper money is not actually eternal. It can be eaten by bugs 
Or it can eventually, I know it would take years and years or decades or even centuries, but it could eventually even just waste away, right? Have you ever seen um, movies like National Treasure where they have a document that's hundreds of years old and, and they touch it and, it and it starts to dissolve and waste away? Why is that? Because it's decayed, right? So there are, there are path, we'll call those passive threats to your money when you hide it under a mattress. It could just, you could go back for it and you pick it up, nobody stole it, you didn't, nobody did anything wrong except the bugs got to it, or a fire got it, or it just decayed. Those are passive threats. But there are also active threats toward your money. Did you know this? Of course you did. That's why you don't do this on a regular basis, because what's an active threat? Jesus calls it here. He said, a thief can what? Break in and steal it. They just lift up your mattress, grab all your money, and run out the door. If you were at work... You're none the wiser. And if you don't check that mattress every day, you might not even find out about it for a long time. You should invest 100 bucks in a ring camera, you know, put it outside your house, then you'll know at least that they came in and left with something heavy. But there are passive threats, and there's also active threats. And active threats are risks that, that thieves can break in and steal, that someone can come and attack your possessions. And it is because those risks that most of us in this room, I would assume, choose... Not to put our money under mattresses, but we put them where? In the bank. we got to move from the mattress to the bank. Because I understand that this doesn't have the full authority, but if you think about it like this, your money in the bank is not real, right? If you have $5,000 under a mattress, you have 5,000 actual dollars under your mattress. If you put 5,000 in the bank, though, they're not taking your 5,000 and setting it aside. This is Candace's. No one else touch it, right? So it, 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 theoretically, it can't decay, right? Because it's there. And the FDIC insures you for up to, what is it, $150,000 or something like that. Um, so it can't be stolen either. Or if it is, they say they will refund you. Right? So the, we put the money in the bank because the threats have been taken away. There are no passive threats. It's not going to decay. And there are no active threats. It's not going to get stolen. So we trust it and we put it in the bank. And church, today, right here in this passage, Jesus is preaching a message to us. And that message is this. It's that it's time for us to move from the mattress to the bank with our treasure, our spiritual treasure, and our physical treasure. God's plan for you is to honor him and invest in his kingdom with the treasure that you are blessed with on this earth. Um, a writer, said, uh, I quoted last week, his name is Daniel Doriani. He said it like this, by our generosity, we lay up treasures in heaven. But that doesn't make sense. How can I be generous, which means to, to give to others, or at least hold things where others could have them if they needed them? How can I be generous and lay up treasures? That's because God's math doesn't work the same way as our math does. You see, God is looking at our heart. He's not looking at your bank account balance to see whether or not you've saved enough to make it till the next paycheck. He's looking at your heart with the money that he's giving you, and he's trying to see how you're using it, how selfish you are with it, or how generous I am with it. And he looks at the heart, and he bases how he blesses us on what he sees in our heart. 
We know this is true because God's word says it. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, if I am selfish with the things that God gives me, God is telling me my heart will be in a selfish place. I will feel selfish toward others. I will, uh, you can think of it like this. The tighter you grasp onto your money, let's call that selfishness. The tighter you grasp onto your money, when someone comes and tries to take it or when someone needs it, you will not naturally release your grasp. You will do what? Hold tighter. If you don't believe me, go check with your kids. <laughs> when your children have something that someone else wants and they come and try to take that from them, they don't say, oh, sure, I'll share. Take it. What do they do? They squeeze it tighter. Because when we have something that we think we need and we don't want anyone else to get, when someone tries to get it or when we get challenged to give it to them, we just want to hold it back more. And God says, when you put your treasure in the things of the world, when you store up the treasure here, when, when, when I call you to give it to someone else or to be generous with it, doesn't even necessarily mean just giving money. It could just mean he wants you to be generous with it. He says, when, you do, when I call you to be generous, you're just going to want to hold it tighter and tighter and tighter. But there is a better way. We can move from the mattress to the bank. I want Gina, my friend, to come up here for a moment. Um, come on up, Gina. And she's going to read some passages. From, you have it on your phone, right? Yes. She's going to read some passages. Um, and these are, uh, so sometimes it's good to illustrate the Word of God with the Word of God. I learned in seminary um, a fun uh, truth, and that's that the only authoritative, truthful commentary on the Bible is the Bible. <laughs> so listen to how the Bible talks about our treasure in other ways. Hello, everybody. <laughs> These lights are seriously bright. <laughs> All right. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and one who, and one who waters will himself be watered. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. There are two... There are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, for the future, so that they may, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. The point is this: whoever sows sparingly will also weep sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Wow, this is like Dr. Seuss for. Bibles. <laughs> each one, each one must give as he, <laughs> each, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> Amen. Steve said, you're not wrong about that, by the way. Sometimes the word of God is like Dr. Seuss. How rich are all of those teachings about our money? But how 
anti what we tend to think is that. I mean, like, we're not trying to be generous with our money. We don't think often like farmers. Did you hear that? Like, whoever sows sparingly, that's, that's the part you were saying was like Dr. Seuss. It's real simple. It just means if you don't plant a lot of seeds in the ground, you're not going to reap a lot of corn. And what, what God said is, it's the same. It's not just the same with agriculture. It's the same with the way that we are generous as people. The, we think the more generous we are, the less money we will have. And God says, there's a better way of thinking than that. You're thinking about the mattress. You're thinking, i got to protect my money from all the bad things. And God says, no, move, move your treasure from the mattress to the bank. Understand that when you put your treasure in the bank of God, the B-O-G, the interest returns on that will blow your mind. Because in the bank of God, you're allowing him who gave you all that you have in the first place to come and go into that vault as he pleases. And guess what? You have a God who is a father who loves you and knows what you need before you ask and is good to you. That means he's not going to go when you need when you need food tomorrow, he's not going to go into the bank and take all your money today. He's going to provide for you. And you say, you might say, rightfully so, I've tried working like that and it didn't work out. <laughs> Every time I tried that, I didn't have enough money for, for food. But listen, I challenge you to through prayer and examining your heart to move in your mindset from the mattress to the bank and understand that God uh, we store up treasures in heaven by our generosity, not by our selfishness. So movement number one, from the mattress to the bank. Everybody say, let's go to the bank. Let's go to the bank. The second movement is this. Here's where we get to talk about the food. Someone's going to win a Pop-Tart. The second movement is we are going to move from Pop-Tarts to protein shakes. From Pop-Tarts to protein shakes. What do you like to eat for breakfast? You can shout out something. Pop-tarts, eggs, cereal, fried eggs, pancakes. Um, you do know it's the most important meal of the day, right? Someone's told you that before. Starts you off. So my question is, this isn't really part of the sermon. I mean, it's in the notes, but it doesn't have anything to do with the Word of God. But if... if um, if it's the most important meal of the day, then why the heck do these things exist? Come on. Who are we fooling? They don't, I don't think they say this anymore, but when I was a kid, they actually would show commercials of these and of cereal like Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And they would say at the Anybody remember what they said at the end of the commercials? Part of this complete breakfast. Part of a nutritious breakfast. Who are you kidding? They are, it's the sugary part of your breakfast. They are so full of it. This isn't part of anything complete. This is fully incomplete, right? It's not good for you, and we know it's not good for us, but we like it, so we eat it anyway. Cinnamon rolls, muffins, I tell my wife all the time, because I'm not a big sweets fan in general, so especially at breakfast, when she makes muffins, I'm like, those are just cupcakes without the icing. It's the same thing. <laughs> We're just giving our children cupcakes for breakfast. And then their teachers say, why did you do this to us, right? From, <laughs> my son said, they never said that. <laughs> teachers love it. The teachers love it when they're all hyped up on sugar. <clears throat> this is how we want to start our day. This 
with this junk? With all this sugar and all these things that are terrible for us? I mean, listen, no judgment. You just heard me say, like, we give our kids this for breakfast too. Um, but we do know it is true that everything that we put in our mouth affects our We know that, right? Whatever we put in our mouth affects our body. From the sicknesses that we get to long-term health and longevity, everything we put in our mouth affects our body. Listen, Jesus, through these verses here about the eye and the darkness, I told you this is the scariest one, protein, uh, Pop-Tarts to protein shakes, because this is the one where we learn that where we look fills us. Jesus is teaching this principle here by speaking about where we fix our eyes. So where you, what you put in your mouth affects your body. Where you fix your eyes affects your soul. What you put in your mouth affects your body, right? If you are on a steady workout regimen and you're eating complete meals, this muscle milk right here will help you build more muscle because it has protein in it. Now I know that protein shakes, like this is also not a good breakfast, right, by itself. But just go with me. I didn't want to bake, uh, cook a bunch of eggs and have a full complete thing up here for you. So we're just gonna say, press Pop-Tarts and protein shakes rings a little better. Maybe we'll remember that more this week. But this is a protein shake that can help you build muscle. It's good for you. You put this in your body and you're working out and you're eating right and you will be more healthy than if you put this in your body and you're working out and you're eating right, right? Theoretically. Jesus' teaching that is the same with our eyes. Where we fix our eyes determines the health of our heart. So we need to move with what we fix our eyes on from fixing our eyes on Pop-Tarts to fixing our eyes on protein shakes. What you consume fills you. When you feast on darkness, when I feast on darkness, I shouldn't be surprised when I find darkness inside of me. If all I feast on is whatever the mass media throws at me through sitcoms and reality shows and sports and commercials, if all I feast on is these things, I shouldn't be surprised when all I want are more of these things and these things and this stuff. You guys are like, Pastor's rolling, he's got some fives. <laughs> when that's all, <laughs> that's all that's there. <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised that when I feast on the things that the world gives, sets, it sets a table. Doesn't the world set a table for us? And when we sit down at that table and we feast on it, I shouldn't be surprised that that's the desires that come out of my heart. That's what Jesus is meaning here. Where I'm fixing my eyes determines what's in my soul. So he says, fix your eyes on the things of the light. He doesn't say that your eye is a light source of its own. He says your eye is a lamp. And what the lamp shows to the soul is what fills it. Feasting on the things of God will fill you with light in the same way that these lights 
fill this dark room. So picture with me a pitch black room that you're stumbling around in. And you find the switch and you flick on. Oh, sorry, this is 2020. You walk into the room and you say, Alexa, turn on the lamp. (laughs) And boom, all of a sudden, I can see everything, right? Jesus says, that is how our eyes are to our soul. So this isn't meant, Jesus isn't trying to, remember the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount is important here. This isn't like a whip. He's not trying to give you uh, commands and, and to whip you into shape. He's trying to teach us a lesson that we have the power of what our souls look like. We control that. And he says it's as simple as where you fix your eyes. So I want you to ask yourself this morning, what am I feasting on? Am I satisfied with what the world sets in the table for me? This pursuit of the American dream. Am I satisfied with just the latest tech? Maybe you're not a techie, but you're satisfied with um, the latest designer clothes. Maybe you don't like fashion, but you're satisfied with the best cuisine. Like, forget McDonald's, you want Popeyes. (laughs) Forget that Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich, that was so 2018. You want the Popeyes chicken sandwich. I got an amen. I feel like I'm on an island sometimes saying that Popeye's chicken sandwich is significantly better than Chick-fil-A's chicken sandwich, but that's another discussion. Am I satisfied with just those things? Or are they leaving me wanting? Are they leaving me a little dissatisfied? Maybe, maybe it's hard for you to think of it like that, but you could say for sure, man, I eat those things, I feast on them, I get the latest phone, I get my shoes, or, or, or I get, get, get the latest um, uh, clothing, or, or, or the newest car, or whatever it is. I get it, and I, and I do love it. I, I love it. That's why I want to do it more, because I like it. But it seems like every year, I need the next one. So can't, you at least, an, can't we at least analyze ourselves enough to say, Honestly, why is that? Why do I want the next one when the one that I have is perfectly good? And I think it's just because we're feasting on what the world gives us. We're just feasting on what's out there. Instead, we can feast on the things of God. God wants us to care for our bodies even though they are going to pass away and decay, right? Um, From dust to dust. Even still, he wants you to care for your body. Did you know that? Paul talks about it. Jesus talks about it. He wants us to care for ourselves. So if he wants you to care for something that's going to pass away, how much more important is it that we care for the thing that we believe as followers of Jesus, or you may be wondering if you're a skeptic, that we believe lasts forever? If he wants you to care for your body, which will be in the ground fading to dust one day, how much more does he want you to care for your soul, which will last forever? we got to move from Pop-Tarts to protein shakes in what we're feasting on. Not feasting on the treasures that the world offers up. Now, does that mean you can't have those things? No, it's about the pursuit. It's about your heart. Remember, these are not commandments. This is guiding us. God is saying, listen, 
Just know what you feast your eyes on fills you. The last movement we got to make is, so we have, recap, from the mattress to the bank, from Pop-Tarts to protein shakes. Who, who wants a Pop-Tart? Not many people anymore. There's, there's three hands, and there's four Pop-Tarts, so one more person. You guys got to be able to catch. Nice catch. I feel like I'm at Fenway Park. Uh, there we go. We got to move from Pop-Tarts to protein shakes. All right? And then last, look at your neighbor and say, from diet to devotion. Eee, this one's scary, right? Who's been on a diet in the last year? Raise your hand, nice and proud. Raise your hand, keep it up, keep it up. Who's been on a diet in the last year? Who is still on that diet you raised your hand about right now, today? Raise your hand. All right, we got a few, we got a few. But you notice a lot of hands went down. Why is that? Because, because diets are not long-term fixes, right? We know that. Um, I'm not insulting you if you've been on a diet. I'm just stating a fact. You know that a diet is a passing thing. You know the truth is that if you really want to make a change, what do you have to do? You have to totally change the, your lifestyle, right? You can't just go on a diet. You have to make a change of everything. You've got to start shopping differently. You've got to start wanting different things. And you've got to start eating different things. You have to rearrange your schedule because guess what? Your schedule is fit around. Uh, you eat the way your schedule is fit now. Easy example of something, a very healthy choice I made this week. <clears throat> really healthy. On Thursday, I was finishing up my sermon um, at Kinship on Steinway, and even though I was writing this, <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> my, my subconscious planned out my lunch for me. And I happened to be, happened to be finishing around 12 there and, and needed to go somewhere else and it was, I was walking there somewhere else. And, you know, I want to eat on a budget, right? I'm not, not going to try to eat expensive. And we all know healthy food is more expensive. So what's in between kinship and the office, the Queen's Church office? Uh, McDonald's, right? So I made an unhealthy choice. Because what's the, you, you could eat, you could eat rather, it's like fairly healthy at McDonald's, right? But again, that stuff's not on the dollar menu. <laughs> so... The hot and spicy and the McDouble and the fries. That's what I ate for lunch. That's a lot of food for one person. Um, but I, I, if I were going to change my diet, I would have to change my lifestyle. I would have to plan ahead. On Thursday morning, I should have packed a lunch, is what my wife would tell me, because she's right. I should have, but I didn't. So you, that's why diets don't work, right? Because you've got to have a total transformation of what you're thinking. And we, Jesus is saying here, need to move from diet to devotion. When you are dieting, you are turning your shopping and eating habits from things that are bad for you to things that are good for you. And that's a good thing, right? When you diet, you shop different and you eat different. However, when you diet, you're usually doing this. <laughs> this this chicken sandwich, plain and dry, with no bread, is really good. You caught that. It's just, it's just lettuce and chicken. But those Pop-Tarts, let's see. Oh, man. They're gone. Okay. 
when we diet, we're usually looking over our shoulder. I mean, it's even a funny thing that we joke about with friends, right? Like we say, I have a cheat day. So that means that the whole week, the other, the other, the other two days that are not cheat days, because, you know, five days are cheat days and two days are good days, but the other days that are not cheat days, what do you think about the whole day? Cheat day. You're just looking over your shoulder of your diet at your cheat day. You're checking out your cheat day like a 16-year-old boy checks out a girl he wants to take to the prom. You're just checking out that, that, that cheat day. When you, um, when you diet, when, when I diet, when we diet, we're eating the good things while we're thinking about Pop-Tarts or donuts or French fries or whatever it is for you. And what Jesus is saying here is that you cannot just diet from storing up your treasures on earth. You can't just go on a diet of it. This has to be a devotion. And he uses this beautiful illustration in verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Don't fool yourself into thinking you can still cozy up to and lay your treasure underneath that mattress while you're also taking some of it to the bank. Why? He says, because you will either hate one and serve the other, or you will despise one and be devoted to the other. So we learn a couple of things here. Number one, money and possessions are a master. If we, don't think, if we think we control them, then we are fooling ourselves. They are your master. They will tell you what to do. The question that you and I have is, are we going to be devoted to them? So listen to what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying that the accumulation of money and, and possessions is bad. Um, uh, just a little bit of background so you can catch how big he's talking about here. When he says you cannot serve God and money, um, remember the New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek word there for money is mammon. It was understood in those days that they meant money, like paper money, and also possessions. So in our, today we call it wealth, right? Wealth includes the money in your bank account, but also if you own a house or a car, all of your assets. It's everything you have together. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He says, you can't serve both of them. And we learn that one of them is out for our good. God is the master who is for you, not against you. But money is the master who will always take from you. Money is the diet. The diet that's always saying, hey, you know, just, just change and come to me. And the whole time, all you can do is look over your, your shoulder because you're thinking, well, what's next? I, I want to get something else. I want more. I want, I want to get the next thing. But they have something better than me, so I want to get what they have. And we just continually go over and over and over in our head looking at the next thing. And you can't, we, we can't assume that just because we make a decision today to begin taking healthy steps, right? This is where it's really important that this portrait series is not about commandments. You, if you leave today and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take some healthy steps uh, in my finances by moving from the mattress to the bank. I'll move from Pop-Tarts to protein shakes. I'll move from diet to devotion. We can't just say we're going to do that and then think all of a sudden it's going to happen. We can't just diet on it. What we have to do to make these movements is to look to the one who made the movements for us. We have to look to Jesus. We can't make these movements on our own. Hallelujah, right? 
Because how many of you have tried to make some of these movements today? Maybe you didn't learn anything new in this sermon. You're like, I knew all of that. Raise your hand. You're like, I, I knew most of those principles. Yeah, you guys are smarter than you give yourselves credit for. I know you knew a lot of this. You, you, you know that, you know, if, you, if you're always looking out um, to guard your money, that, you know, it's probably not going to go well for you. You've seen the movie Wall Street from the 80s, right? Greed is good. And you knew when you heard that, that that's wrong, that that's not true. But you also saw Gordon Gecko get really rich, so you were like, maybe I could try it his way. Um, but then he went to jail, I think, right? Um, so... <clears throat> It's not just about thinking you're going to start a diet today and then you'll be healthy in a year. The truth is that diets exist because people don't stick to them. And money as a master exists because it is a ruthless one. It's like a diet that will never satisfy you. It's like a diet that you will always be looking over your shoulder for what's next and what's more. Moving from diet to devotion is about declaring who you will serve. The pursuit of money is a ruthless master, and it will have you looking over your shoulder at those who have more than you. It will have you looking over your shoulder at the things that you want that you're missing out on. And it will have you looking over your shoulder at the life that passes you by due to your service to money. Have you ever thought about how much time you've wasted? Opportunities you've had for doing good that were wasted on serving the pursuit of money? Jesus isn't condemning wealth or the accumulation of things. He is declaring emphatically that you have to make a choice. You can only serve one master. And we fool ourselves into thinking that we can serve two. So I want you to ask yourself, <clears throat> how do you relate to your money or your possessions? How do you relate to them? Does money cause stress? Anxiety? Do you feel at peace with them? If you do, you may have something to teach us who have stress or anxiety toward them. That, that's a blessing that not all of us in this room have these negative feelings or emotions toward money. But how do you relate to them? Wealth is a ruthless master who will never let up and never has enough of your time. It never has enough of your energy. But let me tell you who God is as we close. God is a master who is loving and kind. In fact, think about it like this. When you wrong him, it's in his kindness that you are led back to him. Because when you wrong him, he doesn't condemn you or smack you down or judge you like some of us do to one another. When you wrong God, he is kind. So that, that, that begs us to come back to him. If you've ever been in debt, um, you know that it is not the kindness of your creditors that leads you to pay it back. <laughs> right? It's the threat of the repo man or woman. But it is God's kindness that leads you to repentance. Moving from the mattress to the bank, from Pop-Tarts to protein shakes, it can't be done on your own. That's the, that's the, the part of this message that's encouraging because I know that it might be heavy to think about those things and feel like you have all this to do on your own. I am here to tell you, you can't move from the mattress to the bank on your own and you can't move from Pop-Tarts to protein shakes on your own. Praise God. Because I know many, many of you have tried. But through faith in Jesus... 
our eternal security, our soul's eternity, is moved from the mattress to the bank. So forget about money for a second and think about your soul, this thing that God is concerned about. He says, I have moved it from the mattress. I don't, I, don't, I don't hold your eternal security under the bank, I mean under the mattress. And I wonder how many of us this morning feel like God holds our eternity under a mattress and we're scared he might lose it or we're scared he might forget or we're scared that we might do something, forget to lock the door or something and someone's going to come in and steal us from God. God has your eternal security in the bank. Through Jesus, we're moved from Pop-Tarts to protein shakes. Salvation is not a diet. It's not something that comes and goes. And holy living can't be a diet either. There is a better way. And his name is Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is the better way. So this is going to lead us to do some things next. The ne I have some next steps for you. If you had a note card <clears throat> when you walked in, if you got, got given one of those, grab it now if you didn't take any notes. At least get these next steps. We're going to have a time here through this next song to be able to respond. Um, at Queen's Church, we don't ever want to be a church that just sits back and listens, right? Let me tell you something right now. You need to know this because you don't need to come here if you think it's different than this. I am not a good enough teacher for you to sit back and listen and your life to change. <laughs> and that is freeing for me <laughs> to know. I, I can't teach you well enough where you're going to leave here transformed. I lay out the word of God as I believe that God has called me to, that I prepare for. And then it's your time. And it's also mine. And we respond together. So this next time as the band comes, these next steps are just as crucial, if not more crucial, than the hearing of God's word is the responding to it. So let's respond with honesty today. Remember, God is kind. So here are the next steps I have for you, and you can have some of your own as well. The first one is this. Some of us in this room need to step out in faith and move our faith from the mattress to the bank. And the way you do that is very simple. It's by saying... I'm not going to try to save myself anymore. I'm going to trust Jesus to save me. So you need to move your faith from the mattress to the bank. Forget about all the money stuff I said and say, I'm trying to guard my own heart and my own soul and it's not secure. It's in a mattress somewhere. Come to the bank. Jesus has offered salvation to all. It is free to all but it's only applicable to those who accept it, who step out in faith and trust him. So the next step that some of us have here is to take one step forward in our finances. I don't want this to feel like a fire hose blasting at you and you leave here and feel crippled by all the different things that you heard and you can't remember which ones to do and which ones not. So during this next step, I want you to identify one step forward in your finances that you can take. Maybe one of these illustrations hit particularly hard, and that's the one you need to do. Or maybe you're thinking, it's not really anything you said, it's just that I, don't, I just don't trust God with money, 
and I'm, I'm, I, I don't trust that he has my best interest at heart. So the step forward you need to take will be to pray and ask God to change that. He's the only one that can do it. This teaching can't, and you can't convince yourself, but you can ask him. Maybe you need to take one step forward and say, I've never ever given to a church because I'm skeptical of what they do with the money. Hey, listen, we're an open book. Jesus is our passion and love is our mission. When you give to Queens Church, it's right here in the neighborhood. It rents this building, it pays these lights, keeps our staff here, it serves this community, it gives you coffee, that's how you found out about Queens Church. Amen. Maybe you need to take that step forward. Whatever it is, take one step forward. Don't get bogged down into three or five or 10 steps, just one. And the last thing I wanna invite you to do is to come and pray. I'll be standing up here ready to pray with you. I'm gonna ask Candace if she'll stand up here as well, ready to pray with someone. So if you just say, you know what, I'm not really sure what's going on in my heart or my mind right now, but I need someone to pray for me. We're here, we will pray with you. We're not here to judge you or condemn you. We're here to welcome you and pray. So let's respond together. You guys can stand, stand together now. Let's sing this song and let's respond in the ways that God is calling us. One step forward, move from the mattress to the bank or come and pray.